What is up, y'all? Welcome back to the Running and Gunning Podcast with your hosts, Justin Sinan and Logan Sanburn. We are stoked to have you joining us today. We have got an awesome guest lined up from Ohio, our good friend Justin Hollinsworth, the lone wolf, the man, the myth, the legend. What's going on, brother? How are you doing today? Good, good. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, we appreciate you joining us. I kind of feel like it's just, uh, you know... Uh, three buddies hanging out talking anyways because we are we're, absolutely we're always kind of chatting anyways so yes sir that's exactly what we want yeah. yep that makes for, makes for the best conversation yep for sure so what do you got going on lately man what's going uh what's good um it's kind of for me every year it kind of it, it kind of starts the same like as soon as the season ends um, I kind of go into um, getting access mode um, because, you know, uh, a little over a year ago, I, I bought my own, you know, my own uh, piece of dirt finally. And, but there's no guarantee there's going to be a deer on that piece that I even want to shoot. There wasn't last year. So, you know, to me, yeah. And and over the last couple of years too, I've lost, I've lost some pretty good uh, pieces to hunt, um, just due to uh, pieces being sold, uh, pieces being developed, um, uh, stuff that you know I've hunted for years. So I knew that was going to be probably the thing that I was probably going to have to work on the most in the off season um, was just. Gaining, you know, just gaining some new access, and uh, I got you. I'm always kind what of. Is lo- it? No, go ahead. What are you What are you looking for? Because uh, I know I'm curious, at least for myself, when you're looking for a new piece. Like, are you just on on X, just like searching properties, uh, as far as like looking at the map and saying like these look like somewhere where I want to go? Like, how do you go about that? Some of it's that. Some of it could be, um, some of it could be just in conversations with people that, you know, um, where people have been seeing a lot of big deer, um, in certain pockets. Um, I think, you know, you know, I don't think one County is the County. I think it's a a pocket inside of a County is typically, Mm -hmm. it seems work um i look for a lot of times i look for sanctuaries um places those deer are going to get aged um whether you know it's a some kind of wildlife area that's you know set aside for you know no hunting um or um maybe, maybe it's a park or maybe it's a piece that's owned by a big church that allows no hunting, but anywhere that there's going to be no hunting, I'd like to be preferably butted up against it, but somewhere in and around that general area because it, you're just going to get the age class if you're looking yep. for. If you, if you want to kill big deer, I mean, you, you got to be where they're you know where they're going to get. Absolutely, that was what I always focused on when I lived in Maryland was trying to find these places where nobody else could hunt and I could get access into 
sanctuary areas and that's where a lot of the bigger deer are at i mean you're absolutely right it's uh you know i wanted to ask you a, a question um do you feel like you lose properties because you kill big deer on them like I have. is there yeah i i really oh. like i'm kind of picking up those vibes um lately and i'm like really kind of nervous to see what the future is and it's kind of lighting a fire under my ass to try and obtain more properties and because i can see that happening it's like there's almost like a jealousy thing or like well why is this guy you know why is this guy killing this big deer i want to hunt that property or i want to you know and it's like you can hunt that property all you want but i mean it seems like that's happened to me that's happened to me a few times actually um i i it you know what it happened to me early on like like it might have been second third fourth good deer that i ever killed and i remember that going down and then i you know i lost access because some other family members mm-hmm. you know, knew that i'd shot that deer you know i because i told them you know because right. i I didn't it's almost twice. like you don't want to tell them. You're almost like, yeah, I shot that somewhere <laughs> else. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, we sold your time, truck there. You know, and at the time, I just thought, well, you know, why wouldn't I tell them? You know, just right. You know, I was excited about it, and I'm just being honest with them and stuff like that. And then the next thing I know, um, you know, I'm going back and and going back in there to shed hunt or whatever that year, and they're like, well you know, we're just going to keep it to family now, or we got a friend that's going to hunt, whatever it might be. Yeah. But that definitely, when that happened to me, um, that definitely changed things. And, you know, going back to that other part that I was talking about, I had this piece that butted up against um, this Metro part. And it was only five acres, but it was the five acres because right. I could put a, I did a, a small little poor man food plot in there. You know, I just went in there with a backpack sprayer and a weed eater and a, and a hand seeder and just did my thing, put this little clover patch in there. And then um, I had that little piece, had it to, all to myself for a long time. Then the, um, the landowner's daughter got a boyfriend. And... And we kind of worked out a deal too, where he was like, he just wanted to hunt the late season. I was like, cool, fine, right. go for it. So we kind of worked out a deal because I usually and gone, you know, I usually take off and go out of state you know, during November. And I said, well, what about from, what if I have it from start of season to November 15th and you have it from the 15th on kind of thing? And, mm-hmm. and all he wanted, it was just a killed deer. Was he just like a gun hunter, or he wasn't a bow hunter? Uh, he was. He was a crossbow hunter. Okay. So yeah, he was a gun hunter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so he and it worked for a while, and I shot. Um, I shot a. Uh, let me shoot out of there. I shot a, a buck in the 150s, and I shot one in the 160s in there. And you've always been a more consistent guy, like, early in the season, right? I mean, I know we haven't known each other for, like, a long, long time, but I've always known you as a, a hunter to kill early. 
Yeah, just I put a lot of time going all the way into that first part of the season. Like mm-hmm. I want to be dialed in. I want to know, you know, I want to know every, you know, every buck that I have access to that's killable because to me that's when they're m- the most vulnerable. And I agree. And pressured. Um, you know, I I probably killed I don't know, 6 or 8 in the first week of season. Um, but that's just because, you know, I know what, the, I, I know what one or two bucks that I'm going to go after leading into that. And I don't, I don't want to wait till they're pressured and I don't want to wait till they want to start chasing girls and God knows where they're going to be. Right. Uh, Cause a lot of the pieces that I hunt are small mm-hmm. and I mean, it could be, I mean, it's pretty easily, you know, pretty pretty easy for them to get off those pieces and get onto somebody else's place or, or, you know, a couple miles away or whatever. And I have no access to. So I like to try to like the buck I killed last year, that deer, you know, I I knew of that deer for like four years, but I watched him all summer long. I know we, we were talking, man. And it was like, I had a, I figured you were going to kill him right off the bat, and then I know you came super close, didn't you? Like there was a time I you were killed, you had him come right under you almost. Oh, I should have killed him. Um, I did not hunt opening morning, and I wasn't planning on hunting because of the way the farm set up in the morning until later. I didn't hunt in the morning. The opening opening night, the tree that I wanted to be in on a fence row, I couldn't hunt opening evening either so i jumped up in um in my buddy's barn and glassed him and he came right across and went right through this waterway and went right past that tree yep but man if he does that tomorrow night i i i got his ass so then he the next night the wind switched i went in set up i went in set up on the fence row he came out from a little bit of a different way than he did before, but he was coming all the way across the field and like right at, the, I don't know why he did this. He was going to cross. He was headed just like he was going to cross the night before. And right at the last minute, he cut in behind me. And, really? and my wind was blowing straight down that fence row. And I was like, crap, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to get me. So I came to full draw and I was going to have to shoot him behind me. And, and if the wind would have stayed true and kept blowing dead west down that fence row, um, I would have killed him the second night of season. And it shifted and went southwest, and he freaking cracked me. No, nah, man. I had him at full – I was at full draw. I had him at 32 yards. Yeah. I needed – I didn't even take one or two more steps to clear – one branch hanging down out of the tree that I was in and I was going to, I was going to, I was going to let him have it, but then he busted me. Then it's a different volume. Right. (laughs) Why don't you get into like leading up to that? Like what is one of your favorite tactics for locating these bigger bucks? I know like, you know, you're a big guy for glassing and stuff like that, but maybe for some guys that really can't glass, like I know I have, a few areas that I hunt that I really can't glass, you know, where these bucks actually come out of unless I'm going in and intruding into the woods. 
And that's really like the last thing I want to be doing other than using trail cameras and stuff like that. I mean, what's, uh, what's some good advice you could give for like some of our listeners? I mean, well, I mean, any time that you get in right after, you know, right after season, I'm not a crazy like postseason guy. Yeah. I'm not a guy that's going to just go spend hours and hours and hours walking and like, and trying to figure out all these bets and stuff like that. Like I'll take notes as far as like, if I get into a spot, and, you know, and it's just pour up big rubs and there's some big beds or something like that. You know, I might, you know, mark it on my phone or something like that and try to, you know, kind of keep track of those deer that way a little bit. Um, but then, you know, and I know there's a lot of guys that don't think, you know, sheds mean a whole lot. Um, I don't know. I could I could argue that a little bit because I can tell you that I got, let's see, I got four, I got four bucks down here right now that I'm looking at that where I found their sheds were in the exact locations that they were betting the year I killed them. Okay. So, but I do understand too, like if you don't have, if if there's not food on the property or something like that, say, say the farmer like plowed the fields or whatever and, you know, and, um, you know, you didn't find hit that deer sheds in there or whatever. Well, it makes sense because, you know, there was no food there, you know, and that's why he, he wasn't there. But, right. but, but I did, but finding to me, you know, looking back on it, um, uh, I think, I think there is some value in finding a shed, especially, you know, um, I agree. I mean, it's just that much more of a, you know, it puts that much more of a piece in the puzzle that like, Hey, there, obviously he's been here. I know all this other stuff about him. So maybe this is like his core area. I mean, I know I've killed <clears throat> two or three bucks that I've found sheds to, and it's been, it's absolutely helped me like figure out that deer's core area. I mean, but it, you never know, man, that deer could be like on a trot in the middle of a field and drop a shed and it doesn't yep. mean shit, you know, or, or he could just be, you know, he could be winter in there, you know, maybe you got mm-hmm. a bunch of like, you know, uh, maybe there's a bunch of honey locust pods or something in there, or or maybe the farmer, maybe there was a tree or two that blew over in the field when the farmer was picking the beans, and none of those beans got picked right there yeah. in that spot. Um, you know, like, and just, you know, that late season's all about the food, and I mean, and if you got some on that place, I mean, typically... Yeah. Resident, if you got a resident four plus year old buck, he's usually gonna stay there. Right. Were any were any Go of ahead, those buddy. sheds, or I guess were any of those deer on that five acre property that you said you had that you found the sheds and or how I guess how did you kill those deer? Was it through glassing? Was it uh, you know in November or because you said you killed a couple big ones on that five acre property. Yeah. So I killed three on that property. The last one I killed was, um, um, was a low one sixty buck that I, that I killed on there. Um, I never found any of those 
gear sheds ever. Um, like I said, that place, that butted up against a Metro park. And I just think, and it was super, super nasty thick in that place. It was like a bunch of honeysuckle in there that you, it sucked. You, honey. you just created that main food source for, to draw so, them out of that thick stuff. Right. So I basically, I created that, I created that little bit of, you know, food source right there. And, and, um, and it kind of worked too, because, um, there was a bunch of like blown down uh, pines that was in that park that kind of created like those deer would want to kind of, they'd want to kind of come up and like roll around that little, that little bend right there. Mm -hmm. And that kind of worked out the only, I could only hunt that place on East winds. Had to have And, but it was like the perfect spot to just cut a deer off from transitioning. Right. And, and, and right at that, Point, they always and those bucks always wanted to make scrapes over there too right like here i'd find like two or three scrapes right in there and the one year after i hunted there a couple of years i was like man why don't i just go in here you know i can't get a tractor back here mm-hmm. why don't, you know it was all like overgrown i went in there and then just took a weed eater and knocked the whole thing down in a rake and then sprayed it and then came back you know, and just overseeded it real heavy with a bunch of clover. And that thing, I had, that plot was in there for five or six years at least. Um, And it just worked out good, but it was more, it more, it more had to do with the fact that there's a four or 500 acre there that nobody's allowed to hunt. Right. And so those deer always got the, I always, Every year I had a, every year I ever hunted it, I had a four plus year old deer on camp over there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the golden ticket, man, right there. I mean, if you can figure out where they're actually growing and they get to that age class, I mean, it's just a matter of time before you find something that's a giant. I mean, you know, and, in, as far as early season goes, like when you're, uh, when you're really trying to find these bucks, What's your strategy for getting them on camera? Are you, is it just like, you know, topographic? Is it like location, field edge, minerals, scrapes? What do you, what do you prefer? Um, in the summertime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I'm selfishly picking your brain because yeah. I really, really want to, like, I really want to kill a velvet buck this year. And I just want to kind of do whatever I can. And for our, all our listeners, too, like. I mean. Yeah. With you guys being in Kentucky, I mean, uh, bait, you know. Yeah, so we, they just changed that, right? We can't bait with corn until August 1st. I heard that oh, that really? was BS. I don't, I don't know, Logan. I'm going to look into that for us. <laughs> I don't know. I either. heard that that was BS. <laughs> I, I've heard it was real. I heard it wasn't real. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'll use bait sometimes, like, just to try and see, like, what I got in the area. But I also hate using bait, and I want to get away from doing it, you know? I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah. I, but I'm going to tell you what, and I know it's going – I know it's the same way there in Kentucky. Um, every guy here does it. You're right. I, well, we, we talked about it last summer. It's like you, you're competing with your neighbor. Like, if you're not, they are. So – I mean, every every guy that's hunting five acres has a big bait pile on it anymore. Yeah. It, it drives me crazy, and I'm 
I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't do it because I do it because I have to do it. Cause mm-hmm. I'm put, cause if you don't do it because it's, it's that powerful that if you don't do it, you don't have them. Yeah. That, All right. So what's your, what's your bait pile look like? What are you doing? Are you putting down like a hundred pounds? You putting no, down 200 pounds? No, I'll just put down. I, typically if I'm trying to get inventory in the summer, Cause that's really what I want to use it for. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm the same way. Like I, I don't want to hunt over it, but I'll use it for inventory. I can guarantee you that. I mean, by using it, I can get, I can get pictures of every deer on the property. Um, um, so typically in the summer, like I'll put down a couple bags or whatever. Um, I do like to use, you know, I, I do use quite a bit of mineral because I do I do believe there's some benefits too from mm-hmm. using on what it does to deer's ears. I mean, I don't think it's a one year type of thing. I think no, absolutely, yeah. What the benefits from minerals, and you have to, it's got to be in that deer's body for three or four years before it's just going to go straight to his gate. Um, but so I'll use mineral. I'll use mineral too. Um, but yeah, everybody around here, everybody's. If they're saying they're not using bait to get inventory on bucks, they're lying. Because yeah, that's just what everybody does. Last year, I kind of transitioned, and I would put a bag of corn out in one area, and then I would make a a mock scrape nearby it, right? And it would almost kind of get the deer to frequent that scrape more often. Yeah. I would say, and then. I would just leave the camera there, man, and they would just keep hammering the scrape instead of me putting more corn out. It seemed to be like kind of a good thing that kind of helped me out. I mean, it's all situational. I mean, you can't do that everywhere, but yeah. you know, in this in this instance, like it was, it's actually right where I ended up killing my buck this year, and I left it alone because some some asshole was messing with my camera, and I was like, all right, well. I'm not going to put a camera over here anymore. And I left that section of the farm alone. And that's, you know, it's a, I, you know, it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason, but. And here's the other thing. Basically though, these deer, I mean, they grow up around the bait piles. Yeah. And over the years, they have some bad experience. In and oh yeah. Piles. Mm-hmm. And those older class, deer, they, as they, as they get older, they know how to work. Um, to get into those spots without getting so, right. n- you know, nine times out of ten, guys around, the guys that I'm I'm good friends with that are hunting around that, that they have bait. All of them have bait piles on on whatever farm that they're hunting, and nine times out of ten, um, those guys are not killing those deep over big piles. Right, they're figuring out how to kill those deer, you know, before that deer gets that big out. Because mostly older, these older age class who are they're not getting out. No, anyways. No, Um, I agree with you. So usually, usually, a a lot of that if I can't if I can't last the locator, um, but. Glass and soybean. Yeah. 
That seems to be like the when I when I think about how like you really pursue a lot of your bigger deer, I always feel like you're you're consistently glassing them, like where you're at. It seems. Yeah, and I'm really trying to adapt that tactic. It's just the places that I have, maybe I just haven't picked up a really solid spot that I can go do that. And hopefully, I did acquire a new property just recently, so I'm kind of excited for that. Um, it's like 120 acres. It's a nice farm laid out pretty sweet. And um, I've got some knowledge. I shed hunted the farm that's butts, butts up to it. And it's basically a giant sanctuary, man. It is just beautiful. I mean, I cannot wait to hunt this place. So, well, so our, gotta have, you gotta have those places where they can grow old. I mean, right. The, what were you saying, Logan? Are you, I guess, in order to get more access or, you know, understand where you want to get access, like, are you going around right now, uh, driving at night, or I guess not at night, in the evening, and glassing some of these fields already to try and figure out where you want to be, or are you waiting until, you know, like, July, August to do that? Um, you know, uh, what's your plan for that? It's kind of like a, uh, it's a little bit... Um, I, I won't start doing it quite yet because I, I see good bucks there, um, uh, three or four days ago and they're just not big enough tell. Like you can tell they're going to be good. Um, they've got the, you know, the big bulbs and you know, they're out past their ears and stuff like that, but they're, they're not big enough to like really tell what they're going to do. But sometimes what I do, it kind of starts, um, you know, if I get tagged out, um, like early in the season, like, and it, I, and I'm, I'm not out of state somewhere or whatever. And I can't, we only get one buck tag. And so I'll, I'll go out and drive around and I'll go, you know, during our rut and just cruise around and, you know, try to locate those, those properties that ones out, you know, running around those and stuff. And then I just had notes of those, like, you know, at that early springtime, just starting to get to the yards and farmers are starting to get out to the fields or make work on their, their equipment a little bit, need a garage or whatever. Those are the good times to stop by, you know, and catch people, you know, just, you know have conversations, whatever. There's a lot of time, honestly. Um, got to kind of feel the situation out a little bit. If they're not feeling it, you can you can pet you can pick up on that vibe. And I won't ask during that time, and I'll just kind of stick with them and let them get to know me, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you know, maybe maybe you know, see if I can. Hey. Would you mind if I, you know, look for some shed antlers, or if, or would you mind if, uh, you know, maybe I brought my, maybe I brought my boy out, and we you know, did a little turkey, or something like. That. Or just, um, people are more willing to get that access over. Hey, can I bow hunt your property? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes that just like shuts the conversation down right away. 
And especially where you live at, because I feel like they probably get hounded all the time, right? Oh yeah, from a lot yeah, of people, for sure. And you know what? It sometimes it's also, I've said this before on other podcasts, but it's good to do a little research. You know, oh yeah, there's this thing called social media. I mean, mm-hmm. you can look somebody up and and kind of, you know, kind of get a little idea about you know what they're like or whatever. And the best part is when you open, say, open up some social media, their social page, and then you notice that you have three or four mutual friends. Well, that's going to take it. Right. Yeah. I believe they call that stalking, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I was waiting for it. I was like, Logan's just a loaded pistol right now, ready to go off. No, I mean, that's exactly what I do. And sometimes I go way down the rabbit hole and, and then like you get, you know, 10 people deep into this like research. And then you're like, you find that this person's already hunting that property or like that, uh, they don't allow hunting or, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, all this time wasted, (laughs) but that's a solid part of it. Yeah. You know how many times two people are like, nah, we don't let anybody hunt. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I've also said this too to people, like, if if they're real if they're friendly, um I actually just said this a couple weeks ago to a lady. Um, she's like, Nah, we don't let anybody hunt. She was super nice and everything. And I we were talking for a little bit and I said, You know somebody's hunting your property though, right? And yeah. she's like she's like, No, no, we don't let anybody hunt. I said, I'll bet you I could walk back there and find trees. And she's like, no. I said, I'll bet you permission slip. I can find trees in your property. She's like, no, 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 no. I went back to her house. I said, here's this tree stand. There's a ground blind over here. Like, right. It just started because, uh, you know, one, tactic that I, I guess I always use trying to get access is like, you know, if you give me permission, I'm going to keep people off your property that shouldn't be there. Yep. From a, um, you know, from a, a, a legal standpoint, like, uh, I know here in the state of Ohio, um, my brother so years ago, my brother was in a tree. And when this happened, this was on a piece of property that we all hunted for years and had permission. When this happened, um, um, he got, he's paralyzed from the waist down. Um, because he fell asleep and didn't have a harness on. Um, and fell out and, and um, that was back in 2008 and how I become aware of this is by if you didn't stay stay one of you guys went over there and trespassed on that piece and didn't have permission to slip and one of you guys and say you got one of you guys got hurt over there uh, technically you could do that Right. And when. Right. That case. Yeah, and that that's so insane that that's, that could happen. <laughs> but 
We won't go down that I, rabbit hole. Yeah, no, I agree with you. <laughs> no. That's, but that's why, you know, I've, I've, you know, just knowing that because all the ambulance chasers that were calling my parents after that happened. So that whole thing just kind of brought some awareness to me. So when I'm talking to people, you know, like, you know, I'm like, you know, actively kind of the law and stuff like that. I don't usually talk about that stuff early on and up front when I'm first getting to know somebody or whatever. No, but, but that's something you want to keep in your back pocket, though. You know, when you get a no, you could turn a yes, you know, yeah, a no put into the a yes. pressure on. Right. Well, I'll be honest with you. I actually use that tactic to obtain permission on property that butts up to my police because I talked to the guy and I'm like, look, man, um, you know, I'm not sure if you have anybody else hunting there, but I know that there's people that are that are sneaking onto this property and. I hunt, you know, up on top of the hill and I live there. I would really appreciate you giving me permission just to bow hunt and I can make sure I keep people out of here. So you don't have any further issues and neither do I, and we can communicate. And he's like, absolutely, man. Like, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. You know, it's like a mutual respect kind of thing. And I've never done that before, but man, like, I mean, it was just like immediate permission. That guy was like, you do your thing. You send me pictures or let me know when somebody's on there. And I was like, yes, sir. You know, so, and, so. It's not, and it's not that you're, you know, um, lying to him or anything like that. You're being no. truthful, you know, about the situation because, you know, I, I kind of always get a kick out of like, nobody's hunting my property. Nobody's hunting my property. I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. Oh, most definitely. You know, so especially if it's got some size to it. I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, Just look at shed hunting. I mean, there isn't a place out there. I'm sure. I think didn't you guys have some issues with that with people trespassing on your property for sheds? God, they cleaned up on us over there. I know. Yeah, I remember. It was recent too, right? Like within a year or two. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, two years ago, um, I was kind of honestly, I was the only reason I had had gone in there yet is because I still had a buck that was on camera over there that was still packing one side that, mm-hmm. and he was one of the main deer that I wanted to pull a grab his beds from. And I was just kind of holding off. And then, and then the next thing I know I was at work. And then a buddy of mine who hunts a, a property, there's a property that's in between us that nobody can hunt. It's not a big property. It's like 20 or 30 acres. And then he hunts the one side, and then I hunt this other side. And then he called me at work because he got some guy in the cell camp. And so he went to his place, and then I left work and tried to go to my place. And we both tried to get in there and find this this person. We never did, but um, yeah. But we 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 figured out where he lived, though. I'll just say that. <laughs> For all you listeners out there, do not mess with any of any of Justin's properties, okay? We will find you. We'll find you. <laughs> but, man, I know when, when I first uh, told Logan we were having you on, one of the biggest things that I think I really wanted to ask you and kind of get like a different perspective, you know, you've done so many podcasts with different people and you know so many high caliber hunters. You've been doing this a long time. Um, you're, you know, you're a young guy. But at the same time, 
what is like one thing that like you've gathered from like all your years of being around these absolute killers? Like, what are some traits that, you know, collectively, like you've noticed they all have in common or maybe I'm like looking at things differently Do do all these guys hunt totally different and like everybody's kind of figured out their niche and I, I don't think, I don't think there's as much that separates a lot of these guys from, from each other. I think persistence, um, I think that's the one thing that all have. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing that, um, you know, they all, and I'm not just talking from a hunting standpoint, I'm talking about from, you know, from scouting to, um, just 365 days a year of it's always whitetails in some form. You know, I've always, and I've always said this, I always feel like if I didn't do, I, I need to do at least one thing a day hunting related to put me towards my neck buck. I mean, just one thing, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, gaining access or, or uh, looking online and, you know, uh, doing some homework or maybe it's, you know, working on, you know, working on projects on, on my farm or permission farms or whatever. But I think that's the one thing that, you know, they're, they're always, um, that's probably one of the biggest things. They're, they're so persistent, especially once they get a big deer under their skin. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the one thing I, I think that we're kind of all the same. And, um, um, probably the other thing, um, I think as you get into this and you've done it for a while and you've had some success and stuff like that, then you also learn that you don't have to hunt all the time. I think, think later that now that didn't happen to me at first. No, I I, always I can agree with that. I had to be out there every day, no matter what. Yeah. I think I, I probably screwed up and took myself out of the game on so many good deer by thinking that way. Um, I think you gotta, you gotta stack all these different odds in your until it's like okay today's go time you know you got the weather you got the the wind and maybe particular move phase or particular part of this kind of makes this deer do a certain thing or, or, or whatever but i think when you learn to um you know step back not hunt as much. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of times it's just sitting back and watching cameras and watching, watching deer, you know, like and, you've always said, it's like, you know, I, one of your, one of your quotes I'll steal is, you know, surgical removal. And when I first heard that, I was like, damn, I guess he's, he's pretty accurate on that. It is like the more you get into this, you know, the more you realize it's like, it's all about that one specific move or, 
Well, you, you know, think, like, well, all right, it's go time, bam, and but, you make it happen. And then you're like, okay, well, you know, that Logan, that is pretty calculated, right? Logan was just calling me a stalker, right? So, <laughs> so and think about it. What we're trying to do is we're, we're literally, this is premeditated murder. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what it is at the end of the day. As thick as that might sound to say it that way. But at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to plan this thing out so perfectly that it's a one-time strike. Yeah. And, you know, cause, and that's why I like the early season so much because I mean, there's been, you know, the openers came in before there might be four days that, that season's in, but I have not hunted once. Yeah. Because I'm waiting, I'm waiting and waiting. Like, okay, right. now it's time. You're not and, just going to go hunt because it's opening day. No. And if I am, because yeah. I want to get in the tree, then it's on a different peak that my target bucks. Not that you don't care. Yeah. yeah. You go kill a doe or something. Yeah. You know, just, but I think, I think that's the other thing too, that most of those, you know, most of those guys are like too, they'll, you know, they'll sit back and wait and wait and wait and, you know, then, then, then jump in. Um, but I think the other thing too, I think we know when, you know, we can, we've been doing it long enough. We know when to take off the gloves too and say, okay. Yeah. Time to grind and just jump yep. around and get after him. Yep. Cause I think there's some bucks that you can't burn them out of a place. I, yeah. I've, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think some bucks are just like, this is where I'm at. Yep. I busted you. Yeah. I'm going to move around you. And they mm-hmm. figure out ways and they, you know, they zig and zag and they, you know, they kind of work their way around that farm and you can't, and, and you just, you know, you just gotta, you gotta play the, when you, when you get one like that too, actually those are fun to hunt. I agree. <laughs> because I mean, you're just playing chess pretty much. It's constant, and it's yeah. yeah. Like, I I killed a buck, not this past year, but a year before, and man, I was seeing that deer, and he cracked me on two different occasions too. And man, we were just—it was like, it was like every day we were just going at it. Every day he was beating me, and a you know a little bit here, a little bit there, and then, and what got him killed is. I seen him take a doe back to his bedding area and I knew it was his bedding area. Cause going back to where, what I was talking about before I found his shed right back in there. Mm-hmm. And scouted that out during postseason, And, and I knew I was getting down to the wire cause I, I had some days scheduled to take off. Um, and I was going to go out to Illinois and hunt. And I was like, man, you know, it was early November. I was like, by the time I get back from out there, you know, this there could be who knows where. Right. And, and I watched him do that, and I made a move and picked out the two trails that I thought he was coming out off of based off of some rubs and, and big. He had some just huge, huge cracks. I mean, yeah, he's the only deer on that farm that had a print that looked like that. And, and so when I set up on him that night, 
he stood up out of his bed. He's about 80 to 100 yards away when he got up out of his bed. I seen the doe stand up first, and then he stood up out of his bed. And I knew she was going to come out, and she was going to want to go to that bean field and eat that evening. And I knew they were going to take one of two, one, one of those two trails I was set up on. And, uh, and that's what, you know, that's what he did. But it took a girl getting him killed. Right. He was fine up to that point until yeah. she got involved. He was beating me. But mm-hmm. then, and I, when I seen that, that morning and him taking her back there, I was like, he's done because that girl's going to get him killed. Yep. That's, I mean, that's I feel- how it was this year for me too. I mean, I knew when I seen that buck show up on camera, I'm like, it's done. I already know where you went to and you're probably going to come right back out the same spot. So I set up and that's, you know, I went down, but it is nice when that happens, you know, because it's like when you get that feeling and you get a deer on camera and you're like, Oh yeah. 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 All right. I got you. I'm sorry. Like when you're going to cut you off. Oh no. Uh, I mean, I feel like when you're playing that game with them and every time that they bust you, it almost gives them a confidence boost of like it's a win in their book right because they are still walking and so when they when it is one of those deer that isn't going to leave you're not going to bust them out of there it's almost like actually a win in your favor because he's he's going to be more confident in himself and his like tactics and strategies that he thinks he's going to be able to beat you but you being a human being have the ability to reason and he doesn't <laughs> and, right. and that's exactly what gets him killed. And that right there, what you just said is something that I think a lot of people, um, you know, you talk to guys and stuff like that. I think they think the deer have a thought process, right? You know, they're, they're moving off of, you know, it's all, you know, instinct, you yep. know, what they're doing, you know, it's not a, well, you know, I got busted over here. Or I seen so-and-so over here. You know, I don't think they're playing that, that out in their head. I think that, you know, Andre said this, you know, the best a long time ago, he gave, gave me this piece of advice and, and, you know, we were taught years ago, we were talking about, you know, this is before the bump and dump got out. And people, okay. were, you know, this is before he was letting the cat out of the bag on that one. Right. Back I, when like good tips were kept secret and not yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> he didn't, you know, the whole slogan to Lone Wolf for years was your silent partner. So, right. you know, he was keeping a lot of those tricks in, in his bag for a long time. But I remember him telling me this one time. He said, he said, you know, we were talking about, I, because I, I'd, I'd scouted a piece of property and I jumped, I jumped a big deer and I was talking about, man, I probably pushed him off the property. He's probably gone kind of thing. He's like, oh no, he'll be back in there tomorrow. And I'm like, and I, and I just kind of looked at him like, you know, cause in the magazines for all those years, like that was like, right. that, man, that is not, you know, you just hunted all these field edges. You played everything safe and you did all this stuff. And I remember him saying, he was like, he's betting there for a reason. And when you went in there and bumped him, you basically, he escaped, got away from you unharmed, and you reassured that his spot that he thought was safe is safe. Right. 
And he's like, he will be right back in there the, the next day. And I still, like early on, um, probably didn't grasp that for a long time. I think I still was just way too cautious. And 100% that cost me some deer over the years um, because I, I, I wouldn't get aggressive when I needed to. And like that deer, I probably could have killed that deer. And he gave me that advice and I didn't, I, I I used it, but I didn't go all the way in there where he was before. I played it safe. Just hung back a little bit. Hung back and I hung back too far and never killed the deer. Right. And, 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 you know, you, you know, they, they bed in these areas, you know, or the, these, you know, these places like they, they like to hold up in because it's, you know, they got this sense of security. Um, do you think that that's that, that experience right there after he told you that you went in, you didn't go far enough. You didn't kill that deer. You think that that's something that you learned because of that experience? Or do you think it's because of actually like him telling you that, if that makes sense? Like, do you think that the knowledge is enough or do you think you have to go through that experience of like, okay, I didn't push the needle far enough. I, now I understand what I actually need to do. I think you need to go through the experience. Absolutely. I think advice. And I think our tendencies are to like, you, especially when you're younger too, you, you get, you get that advice and you don't, you don't, maybe you don't grasp it all. You don't, you don't, you know, maybe you still play it too safe or, or, or whatever. But until you have an experience and you see that, oh, if I would have just did that, right. I, I would have had him. The because light bulb I, moment. I played it safe. I can tell you this. He's a giant eight point. He was in what he was a clean one sixty eight, huge. And and it just drives me crazy to think about like why I didn't <laughs> and and he had a he had a big huge frame like that buck you just killed this year, Justin. Just a huge just a big old wraparound beam. Punch bowl frame, yeah. A big punch bowl. And I remember and I remember where like where I was set up and I could see back in there where all that tall grass was. And I literally watched him come all the way back in that morning and go right over there in bed. Oh, man. And I was like, God, yeah. why didn't I go over there? And then it was like I couldn't get back into that spot for like, I don't know, four or five days because the wind switched. Mm -hmm. and, and I couldn't, like where I needed to set up, versus where he was betting and and coming and going there was just no way and then um and then it got a little later in october and then he hooked up with a doe and then and then i just i could never well, out of that right there man like that's where you know i wanted to touch on that it's like a lot of times like we have a short window of opportunity to capitalize on what we see. And that's where being aggressive really comes into play. And like this run and gun style, like the reason that we have all this stuff at our disposal is to capitalize on what we're seeing and make stuff happen. And 
I know like recently I did a, a podcast with uh, Exodus and I was talking to Jake about this and you know, I know from a younger guy when I was, you know, young and dumb, like I'm, I'm not like some old man now, but I feel like it sometimes, but I know I learned uh, so much more when I was younger from failure. I mean, for you, like, did you, do you feel the same way? Like it took you messing up all these times for you to actually, you know, see something go down and then you're like, all right, well, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to go in here whether I kill him or not, like I'm going to make a move and I'm not going to think twice about it. Yeah. You have to get uncomfortable and yeah. get out of that little comfort box that we all like to play in and stay safe or whatever. You gotta, you gotta, you know, it just takes a while to do that. You gotta be all right with screwing up. Right. And it makes hunting so much more enjoyable. If you ask me, it oh, is yeah. so much more adrenaline pumping to know that you're making a move on a on a deer that you want to kill versus just throwing a sit in a open hardwoods and hoping for something to happen. You yeah. know, like whether you kill him or not, dude, you're going to learn something. And like, that's, that's what I, we really try to preach that on this podcast is like, get out of your comfort zone, get after these deer. Like you get a new piece of property, go walk it. Like yep. whatever. Don't be afraid to bump deer. I mean, it is what it is. I don't care if you got a piece of property and it is, I don't care if it's late August and just pick up a piece of, uh, a, a, a new permission farm. I'd go in and walk the whole damn thing. Right. Absolutely. You know, if you do that, so, okay. So what? So if you went in there and bumped those deer out of there one time, it, it that doesn't matter. No. Uh, they're going to be back in there. Um, right. cause it just happened one time. A couple years ago, that's what I did with him. I picked that property up in August, and I went in there, and I bumped him right out of his bed. And he was back in there, like, the next day. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a prime example. If you do, and if you do that, at least you know, so when you do start hunting, you know what's over that next crest or what's over that next hill, you know, whatever. You know all, like, so when you do see one, and you do need to make moves. You know how to make moves because you know the lay of the land. Right. Where if when you don't, when you, you know, when you pussyfoot around and you just stay out on the outsides and you're just kind of just, you know, playing it safe all the time, then you're, I mean, we're bow hunting, you know, yeah. we're, we got to get inside of 30 yards nine times out of 10. And yeah. even if you're like moving in incrementally, right, you're, you're like testing the limits of when you don't know the property. So you sit, you know, on the outer edge and then the next time you move in a little bit and then the next time you move in a little bit, it's like what we were just talking about. You might only have one opportunity and maybe you see him and you're right. He, we're bow hunting. He's at 70 yards. You're, you're not going to take that shot. So then the next time you move 40 yards to put him within 30, but he's not, he's not taking that same trail. He's doing something else and you're not in the right spot. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, you're basically trying to predict his next, his next movement on every, you know, on every, on every set. And, um, when you're, you know, and sometimes when you, when you're playing it too safe, you're also, that's more times in the tree, more times in that, in that particular woods. There's just, 
you're increasing your odds every single time that he knows that he's being hunted. And years ago, a buddy of mine from Wisconsin told me this. He said, have you ever taken a trail camera and stuck it on a tree that you set in that evening? And I said, no. He said, you should should do it sometime. I said, he's like, you should, you'll be amazed. And I was hunting this big nine point uh, that year. And I went in, got set up on him and seen him that evening. And I took a trail camera and I stuck it on that tree that I got in. And then I, and I put it on video mode. And that next day I went in to hunt that same tree. And, and when I got down, I pulled the SD card out of it, stuck another SD card in it, left, got back. And when I got home, that deer cut my track after I left and tracked me like a dog all the way to that tree. Damn. I got it. And he's just like this, just coming right down that trail. And he tracked me all the way to that tree. And guess what? That night that I hunted, I didn't see him. Yeah. And he'd been out there like. Consistent. Consistently before that. And I'd seen him the night before. And then goes that that goes to show you that's why like that first sit is magical for that reason. I mean, because you're catching them off guard. It is. It is. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's also too, you know, those times when, you know, um, you know, you get cracked out of a tree. I've had this happen before, where I've gotten cracked from one tree, and then I've kind of knew, you know, I knew where he came from the the evening before. And I thought, well, if he's if he's going to come back down this way, he's going to use the wind. He's going to scent check that tree that I was in the night before. So I'm going to slide on down, set up in a different spot to catch him trying to do that. And I've done that before, and I've killed bucks doing that. That's slick, man. That is a badass. It's that I've a, never heard that. And it's that ability to reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because. He's coming down through there. And he knows like, he's being hunted, right? Yep. Actually, um, who did um, Andre's got one on addictions that like he, that he missed the deer in the morning, and then the very next morning he slid down and did the same thing and he killed it. Yeah, damn, that's cool as shit. I've never heard that tactic. What do you call that? The uh, we ought to come up with some some know. catchphrase <laughs> for that man. You might be onto something right there. I, I but, know, but I, I, I can tell you that there's there's definitely some, um, you know, I don't know. There's just some ways that you, you can go about this sometimes. Even like, you know, I had a deer one year that I was hunting and I couldn't. I went back there and hunted him. I was getting him on camera like crazy. First night I go back there to hunt him, nothing. Like I'm like, I don't get it. Been in here like five evenings in a row and I just pounded, you know, I just couldn't figure out why the hell that deer didn't show back up. And, and the next, I told, I, I told my wife, I said, Hey, drive me back there. Drop me off. I'm going to text you from the tree. When I get in, then you pull out. I said, I think this damn thing is watching me come in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he didn't come in like, so she goes back there, drops me off. I get up in the tree, I text her. I'm like, yep, go ahead, leave. 
kept the truck running the whole time. She leaves. 30 minutes later, I killed him. No shit. Damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because he just... Well, that's how they live, man. I mean, like, yeah. I tried telling some younger buddies of mine that. I was like, you want to know where a buck's at? Like, think about where he can see you parking or where he can see you coming from and go to that spot and see what you find. For sure. And... That's, I mean, it's a golden ticket. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's like going to work like that every time, but a lot of times that's what they do, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but man, I know we're uh, we're stretching it a little bit. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get into our our final question, Logan. Uh, I'll let you close this out with. Uh, usually, I know you like asking these questions. Yeah i I just wanted to ask you. I mean, with as high of a caliber a hunter as you are and all the knowledge that you've gained from being around these other guys, like what do you think is one thing that sets you apart from the next guy that, that makes you successful? Um, I would probably say, um, probably my, the work ethic that I have to get access to the new properties. I don't settle if I have 10 properties today, then if and Stephen ended tomorrow and I, and I had 10 properties to hunt, I wouldn't just go, mm, that's good enough because all that can change if you don't own it. Um, and I've experienced that enough that where, where I think my, um, you know, my work ethic when it comes to trying to gain, um, new access all the time. I, 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 I think that's probably, probably what I do more than a lot of other guys that I talk to. Um, Do you think that that stems from the caliber of buck that you're after? I mean, obviously that it's not going to be everywhere. So you have to have more opportunities or do you think that that's just kind of like the way that you do things? Um, I think, um, I definitely think maybe because of the caliber, because if, you know, you guys, they're just, yeah, they're not around every corner. Like that's kind of what I've come to find out from living around here. Like, yeah, we're in a great area, but there, there isn't a booner on every spot you go to. No, I mean, you could have 10 properties, but there's only one buck that you want to hunt on one farm. Um, so sometimes, yeah, sometimes from uh, some, Sometimes it might be the caliber thing. Um, sometimes it is, um, I think from years past of getting myself like real comfortable thinking like, oh, I'm going to have these places to hunt forever kind of thing, whatever. And then like all of a sudden something happens, you know, property sells, um, you know, uh, family members start hunting it or whatever. And just everything changes on it. Um, I just don't want to be going into a season going, oh shit, what am I going to hunt this kind of thing? You know, I always want to, you know, I always want to have plenty of places to go and hunt and it's getting harder every year. Um, but I always want to be able to have, I just want to have options, you know? And I, the one thing too, I typically, I'm after one specific deer in my home state anyways, uh, you know, out of state, sometimes that'd change. Um, but, but 
I always have a two and three as backups too, you know, in case one gets, you know, one gets killed or, um, or maybe a property sells in the middle of a season. I had that happen one time, um, you know, and then you're just, you're left high and dry and you just, so I just try to locate as many, many deer as possible. So do you feel like you work through that list? Like, in order or if you've got you know three four deer on that list do you jump around and try and play that game or is it just like i'm after number one i'm only going in you know to this property on these days until i know that he's no longer there no longer alive and then move to number two um sometimes what i do i just here's an example um three or four years ago i had located Two bucks that I thought was I thought was in the one eighty and another buck that was in the one seventies. And um the going right into season, I I had already made up my mind whichever buck is most killable from the beginning of season, that's the one I'm gonna go after. Because to me I'm like they they were all, you know, huge bucks. You know, so um, I would have shot any of them and just been completely pickled to death. And so, like, that particular year, I went into it, and and the buck that was in the low 170s, that was the deer that was red hot. And I went over there and killed him uh, the first night I hunted him. Um, and Do you ever, like, have a little bit of regret when it becomes, like, when it was almost, like, that easy to kill him? I mean, I know, like, it's taken you a long time to accrue that skill level. I mean, obviously, but, I mean, is there, like, because it totally bit me in the ass this year. You know, I mean, like, I put all my eggs in that basket, and then he got killed, and I'm, like, scrambling around trying to find a deer, and it's stressful. I mean, honestly. Yeah, no, um... I don't know. I think anymore, especially here at home, because I always typically know these bucks for a few years that I hunt, mm-hmm. you know, that I hunt them or whatever. It is, I don't care what time of year it is, it is always like r- bittersweet whenever yeah. I can. Right. Um, because Especially in your home I, state, because you don't kind of, you don't want it to end, right? I mean. Yeah, because you get one, yeah, because you get one buck tag. Then, like, you know, like this year, when I killed that deer, I called Woody. Um, mm-hmm. When I killed him, I had four years of pictures of him. And, you know, I had this long history with this deer. And, um, you know, so, and then, like, even through the season and all the times of him and almost killing him early season, and, and I missed him. <laughs> I missed him during the rut, shot right over his back. Like all the stuff, you know, that, that went on, even after I killed him, um, I, it was still like, like I was super excited. I got him. He's the biggest deer I've ever killed. But then on the other side of things, I was like, I won't be able yep. to watch beans anymore. I won't get stroking pictures of him anymore. I like, know, man. But, I- I don't know. I've been there one time, and it wasn't a deer near as big as yours, so I can I can only imagine it's uh, <laughs> it's that much more bitter, you know. But what I hate I'm not like one of them guys like oh would that deer score? But I do want to know what did that deer score? 
Um, well, he had three broken tines. So what, let's say what was he gross like without the broken tines? Because I know you got him. I got yeah. So buddy you got him my, repaired. Buddy of mine repaired. Him. He was one ninety three. Oh god, you the man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's my. <laughs> That's my that's favorite. my dream buck, straight up. I love all them kicker inlaid tines. Like I've always wanted to kill a deer like that. You know, it's kind of funny too about that deer. It's like um, with his, um, you know, all the points that he has, and he's got this big chocolate rack. He almost looks like a Canada deer or something. He's so chocolate. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and you know, and then um, um, that deer, you know, that deer. Ha- he only has 22-inch No way. Really? Yep. That's crazy, man. I I honestly thought the deer, like, all summer long, like, watching. Yeah, I figured he was 200 all day. I mean, from the pictures you showed me in Velvet, I was like, that's a 200-inch deer. I, I would have swore. I think it's pretty respectable, too, to get him repaired and not add those extra seven inches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, it'd be different if I was, like, officially getting him scored, you know. And right, like, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, he was, like, 177 or 178 or something like that with the broken stuff. Yeah, and that's still awesome, man. He was a I, beautiful buck. I had so many pictures and stuff like that of him or whatever. So then I had um, uh, my buddy Brent. Um, he does antler repairs. And, um, you know, he just took you know, a bazillion pictures I had and matched it up, you know, yeah. to, to what he had. Um, Andre's like, man, I would have put a 15 inch G2 on the one side. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but oh, he's, he's awesome here. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see him real quick. For those of you guys uh, listening, unfortunately you're not seeing this thing. Oh man. How wide was he inside? Um, he is eight, I think he's 18 and three quarters. Nice, man. Yeah. I'll I just, I love that dark rack. I don't know. A lot of the bucks around here that get to be like booners and stuff. Mm-hmm. They all have these bleach white racks. They almost look like farm raised deer. It's kind of funny. You know, I wonder if that's a Kentucky thing. Because I noticed that in a lot of your deer down there. I'll tell you right now, you want to know what it is? Because in the the few counties that we live in around here at least was the highest concentration of deer farms and you know what they said 15 20 years ago a lot of these big storms that we had back then a lot of these deer got out and they mixed so you've got these little pockets around here that hold like those genetics and they've mixed with the wild deer herd yeah and and that's why i'm a firm believer that 240 that was killed this year was 100% like one of those bucks. Yeah. I would I would imagine. I mean, you throw on that much trash and just how white his rack looked. It's like, you know, I, yeah, I, I've just seen that. a lot of bucks even later in the year that have bleach white racks. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a similarity. But Well, look at that buck that Jace Allen killed down there. Yeah. Well, granted, that that was like early, you know, I I feel like they hold on to that like around September. But when you get into like November and they've still got racks like that. Right. Because his was like kind of right after Velvet, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He killed it real early. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, dude, I hate to I, close this out because I feel like we could go on all evening. Um, I can talk. We will. <laughs> I know. Same here, man. Um, we will most definitely be having you back on. For those people out there, uh, we're going to tag you on this. But um, how can we keep up with you? And uh, you know, for people out there listening, um, anything Lone Wolf Custom Gear. I've been, um, you know, I've been affiliated and longtime f- uh, friends with the DeQuistos for. About 20 years now um so anything lone wolf um i'm going to be part of we have our youtube channel, uh, our lone wolf custom gear uh channel where we're doing all of our whitetail addiction episodes where uh been on this what your third season yes there. sir yep and um um you know instagram facebook and then i honestly the only place i really do need like any of my hunt stuff is just on my my personal instagram page which is uh mason's dad 1975 yep well i can't thank you enough man thank you for giving us your time i had a great talk uh i I learned a lot too just like anytime we we get to talking but um we will catch up with you next time we'll definitely be having you back on if you uh if you're willing to join us anytime just trying to keep up with logan and jim I just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me too. I've got a few I, years to go. I think if he could just slow down, down, you know. <laughs> if you heard this old guy nope. at it, uh, down down here in this basement, you'd think I was fucking dying. <laughs> I, I love right. to see it. That's what. That's why I'm here. <laughs> All right, Justin. We'll catch up with you next time, brother. Thanks again. See you, see you guys. See. Thanks again for tuning in this week, guys. I really hope you all enjoyed that episode. I I thoroughly did feel like every time we get to talk with Justin, I feel like I learn more and more and uh, just a great guy to have on. Uh, Looking forward to having him on again here soon. Want to let you all know this weekend, the roadshow gets kicked off for the Mobile Hunters Roadshow. Come see me and Logan. We're going to have some gear. Uh, I've got some t-shirts and some fresh stickers. Um, Logan's going to have a bunch of merchandise from Timberwolf. Um, you can get to meet him. Come and meet us. We're really looking forward to meeting some of you guys out there. I want to close today's segment out with a quote from Shi Heng Yi, which uh, I know is a, an odd name, but man, uh, this guy is just an awesome person. And uh, I, I take a lot from some of the things I hear from this guy. So I hope you all enjoy this. He says... The more light we shine, the greater shadows we cast. Let that sink in. I think uh, it's an awesome quote, and it's absolutely the truth. Um, you know, the, the more that we accomplish sometimes, uh, you know, the more jealousy, and uh, hopefully it's not the case, but it, it, it definitely seems to happen. So uh, with that being said, um, we're going to kick things back into full swing, start recording every week, and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. we got a ton of great guests lined up, so hang with us, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>